Without being too flippant, I guess you're probably tired of hearing people talk about viruses. The current COVID-19 situation has made a lot of people very aware of how something contagious can spread, gaining a foothold at each step before spreading once again. In our last episode, I mentioned Trojans, both the Greek wooden horse-building kind and the software kind. Trojans are malicious programs known as malware, hidden inside something else. You think you're opening a spreadsheet from a supplier, but instead you're letting someone take control of your computer and steal your secrets. Nasty stuff. However, the first publicly released malicious software in 1986 wasn't a Trojan. It was known as a virus because it behaved like biological viruses of the kind we're struggling with now. And two years later, another type of malware took the internet by storm. Almost literally. Instead of just being a virus, it was classed as a worm because, once again, it had similarities to its invertebrate namesakes. All of this talk about viruses, worms and wooden horses full of Greek soldiers can be a bit worrying, and with good cause. They can all ruin a perfectly good day at work. Surely there's something we can do about them. Isn't there? Hi there. I'm David G, and this is the My Cyber Program podcast. Our show today is about malicious software, or malware, and some of the things you can start to do today to get ahead of the crooks who use it. Like all nerdy topics, the language of cybersecurity can be just as scary as the thing that you should actually be worried about. For this episode, I'm going to start at the beginning, because, as Julie Andrews taught generations of moviegoers, it's a very good place to start. We often talk about computer software and programs, often called apps these days, like it's second nature. But what you might not realise is that computer software is just a list of instructions for a computer to follow, to be useful. Computers themselves are just calculators with delusions of grandeur, and they have to be told what to do, step by step, to do anything at all. This is what software does. Without software, computers don't know how to send emails, edit spreadsheets, make movies, or play cat videos. They're very stupid. Software is like the DNA of a computer system. Without it, nothing works. And if it goes wrong, it can sometimes create illness and dysfunction. This is where malware, or malicious software, comes in. Malware is computer software that was written with malicious intent. Instead of doing something useful for you, it performs some function for its creators, or whoever decided to use it against you. There are thousands of types of malware, but the majority of them do at least one of the following things. 1. They allow someone to use your computer remotely. 2. They steal information. 3. They encrypt your information and demand a ransom. Or 4. They destroy your information. There are lots of variations of these, and often several are used in combination. But how does malware get onto your computer in the first place? This is a big difference between viruses, worms, and trojans. As I said in the introduction, trojans piggyback in other software. Downloading free software and illegal copies of movies are two possible ways. But there are lots more, including being downloaded by other malware. And that is where viruses come in. Computer viruses were the first kind of malware. Back in the 1980s, the most common way to copy information between computers was on floppy disks. For the Gen Ys and Zs out there, I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes. Try not to laugh. 
Anyway, a couple of brothers wrote a little program that was meant to stop people from making illegal copies of some software. As disks containing the software were inevitably shared and copied, the virus was spread to more and more computers, just like a biological virus spreads. Each time it spread, new infections would start up. This virus, called brain, didn't have a massive impact. It slowed down the floppy disk drives on the infected computer, but it did herald the dawn of the malware age we now live in, being the first virus released into the wild, as security folks say. There were other self-replicating programs before this, but Brain is recognised as the first to break out publicly. Viruses generally require human intervention. A file in an email or an infected USB drive generally doesn't have a way to transfer itself to another computer. They travel because someone helps them. Worms, on the other hand, don't need any help at all other than poor cybersecurity hygiene. Worms are called worms because they move along by themselves, in the same way that viruses don't. Worms don't travel in emails or on USB sticks. They travel across computer networks. This makes them especially dangerous now that companies have hundreds or thousands of computers on the same network, let alone the damage that's done when a worm is released on the internet. Worms can inflict mass damage very quickly, given the right conditions. One example of a destructive worm is called WannaCry. It was released in May 2017 and quickly spread around the internet, infecting hundreds of thousands of computers. WannaCry is ransomware, meaning that it encrypts all your files and demands payment to get them back. WannaCry was very aptly named, given the effect that it has on its victims. The reason WannaCry was able to spread was a vulnerability in Microsoft Windows, in the bit that allows Windows computers to share files. A way to fix this vulnerable software, called a patch, was released just months before. But people often take time to patch their computers. So, when WannaCry was released, it found lots of computers ready to be infected. WannaCry is said to have cost the British National Health Service £92 million. The global costs are likely in the billions of dollars. And, to add insult to injury, another worm, called NotPetya, I don't make up these names, came along months later and caused even more damage globally. According to the White House, total damages exceeded $10 billion. So clearly, malware is a threat. And for a small business, a WannaCry type attack could be devastating. How do you ensure malware like this doesn't get onto your computers and take hold? There are three things that you must do. The first is to use software to look for and eradicate it before it can do any damage. Traditional antivirus software contains a big long list of signatures, things to look for in files that would indicate they contain malware. This is good for finding things that the antivirus companies already know about, but not great for something new. Antivirus software can be installed on all your computers, mobile devices, and can be part of your email system looking for malicious emails even before you see them. It's good hygiene to be looking for these things. However, there is another kind of antivirus software that doesn't use signatures. Next generation antivirus software looks for what actions software tries to perform. For example, if it sees Microsoft Word simply opening a document, it trusts that because that's a normal activity. If it then sees that document running a script to harvest all your email addresses or credit card numbers, it should block it. 
Next generation antivirus products generally don't need someone to have already discovered a particular piece of malware to be effective, and instead use a much wider range of clever techniques. If what the malware is trying to do isn't good, then it's not allowed to do it. The second way to stop malware, in particular worms, is not to expose computers to the internet unnecessarily. By this, I mean nobody on the internet should be able to reach into your network to your computers. This is what firewalls usually prevent. However, sometimes people poke holes in a firewall because they want to share files or control their computers from somewhere else. If this isn't done well, anyone else on the internet can see the computer, scan it for vulnerable software, and potentially find a way in. Lastly, I've mentioned before that you should train your people not to open attachments in emails or click on links in emails without thinking whether or not it's from someone they trust. Look for bad spelling, addresses that don't make sense, or language that somebody you know wouldn't use. Helping your staff identify suspect emails as soon as they turn up can save you a world of pain. Malware isn't going away. The criminals who write it and the cybersecurity industry are in an arms race. The better the detection capabilities become, the more ingenious the criminals become. And as computers get more and more complex, it becomes harder for companies to write software without the vulnerabilities that help malware take hold. For now, just make sure that every computer you own has some sort of antivirus software on it. They all do similar things, but in different ways, and there's no right answer for everyone. But something is much better than nothing at all. I'm David G, and you've been listening to the My Cyber Program podcast. You can subscribe to us on all the major podcasting apps, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. It's up to you, whatever works for your busy routine. But please do subscribe. Join me for our next episode when we'll talk about security risks of employees working from home, what can go wrong, and how to prevent it. All opinions are my own and independent. We don't accept paid advertising or sponsorship. My Cyber Program is published by Noisy Owl Media in Sydney, Australia.